Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Head Coach You. Joined, as always, with Bronco Mendenhall, the former BYU and Virginia head coach. I'm Brian Fisher. And another special guest on this week's episode, we got Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, Brian, coach, good to be on with you. Absolutely. Well, we were kind of just chatting offline. I'm sure a lot of the listeners are are kind of intrigued that you've had the Senior Bowl, that the game is over. uh, We're we're past the Super Bowl now. What do you get? What do you do right now uh, after the game is is, uh, up and done with? Uh, Besides trying to catch up on sleep, we (laughs) we are uh, we're already rolling on, you know, on the football side. Obviously, there's a lot of business stuff going on. We do a lot of things uh, in the community down here in Mobile throughout the year. Um, but on the football side, we are uh, we're already moving on. Our scouting assistants have already have already started on the 2024 game back in December. Um, once we really had this year's roster filled out, then we moved on. There's no sense just sitting here and continuing to watch tape of guys that are already in the game. Um, so that's what we're busy on, um, you know. And, and we kind of start with that. We we go every every returning Power Five starter um, or contributor, like if he's a third receiver, a nickel corner. Um, we'll start with that, you know, and then with uh, the FCS in Division Two, FCS and lower, we will go. We'll start with the All-American teams, um, and that'll be a good starting point. And then as the as the NFL Combine scouts getting out, the, the NFS, the National Football Scouting, and the Blesto uh, Combine scouts get out in the spring, um, then names will start trickling in from from guys with teams from around the league for us to put our eyeballs on. But that's that's kind of where we start with every year was with. Uh, the returning starters at the FPS level. So, Jim, how how, uh, how big is your staff? So how many tape watchers slash evaluators do you have for that volume of work? Yeah, Coach, that's a, that's a good question. Right now we've got three in-house uh, scouting assistants. We've got uh, Director of Football Operations, Matt Kelly. Uh, Matt's really the first full-time football person that the Senior Bowl's ever had besides the executive director. And then once we get into the fall, uh, we built this thing out uh, – with guys that have been let go in the hiring and firing cycle every year, which happens on the scouting side um, right after the draft. We know on the coaching side it happens kind of Black Monday after the regular season, but the, the scouts are typically held on through a regime change until after the draft. And then every year I've, I've, I've you know brought together a new group of guys um, or, or, or ladies. Uh, Kathleen Wood, who's now scouting for Cleveland in the Northeast, uh, was here for a year, so I can't just say guys anymore. But uh, – but no, we, we get a group together this year. We had nine former NFL scouts on our staff. They were all over the country. Uh, we had over 170 years of NFL experience on the staff. And and again, without having a billion-dollar budget like these NFL teams do, or at least a billion-dollar franchise, that's certainly not their scouting budget. But, you know, being a smaller operation, we have to be mindful of, of uh, travel and things of that nature. So it's really key to find guys that are, you know, positioned all over the country. So like this year we went from Montana to LA to Arizona to Chicago, Charlotte, Jacksonville, Kansas city, Texas. Um, we have Walter Juliff who coach, I, I know you probably know from, a, you know, Walter's like the, the, uh, he's the, he's the, the Dean of all scouts right now. I think Walter's been in it about 40 years and he kind of went back and forth between Dallas cause he was a longtime cowboy scout um, and he's got a place in Austin. So that that's that was kind of how the staff was built this year. And, and uh, you know, when we get the, the group put together over the summer, uh, then they'll move forward in the fall and watch all our tape for us. So uh, are most of those guys working remotely? So once you've assembled them, right, and, and they've committed to working with the Senior Bowl, is that wherever they live, that's where they're just – that's where they're set up and making things happen? 
Correct. Correct. Um, you know, before we got here five years ago, we didn't have, we didn't even have access to tape. So it sounds crazy, but I got the job and I, I called the guys at catapult, you know, back then it was exos. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you were at exos or DV sport team at your stops. And, uh, so I called the guys at, at, at exos at the time. I'm like, well, how, here's who I am. I just got this job. Um, how do we go about getting their tape? And they're like, Jim, we're just your, your, your software provider. Like that, you got to go to the league office for that. So, uh, called Dave Gardy up at the league office in, on Park Avenue and the same spiel. Like you're Jim Nagy. I'm like longtime NFL scout just got this job. And he's like, Jim, we don't, we don't give all-star games access to tape. And I was like, well, what are we supposed to do our jobs here? So, um, you know, grateful to the league office. They granted us access to tape that year. And so now all these guys can, can pull it down remotely. Like we pull it from the NFL dub center. We put it on our server. And regardless of where these guys live, they can pull it directly from our server. And then they're out, they're out at games every Saturday at the fall. I think we were uh, we were at double-digit games every single weekend this fall. Some guys were double-dipping. You know, if there was an afternoon game in Charlottesville and a night game in Blacksburg, we, we would try to hit both of those. Um, and that's how we do it. And, and, you know, we're out there. Really, we, we feel good about where we have the board set by the beginning of November. And that's when we do big staff Zoom calls, kind of going over it. And uh, sorry to be long-winded here, but and then the last the last phase of the process is uh, you know using our contacts within the league. So um, rather than just calling buddies, which which could we could easily do, you know, friends, but we make a formal process. And every year we try to get with over half the league, and we just go position by position, and we say, hey, we've got 20 offensive line spots. Here's the 15 we really feel good about. Are you guys cool with those 15? Usually that's a yes. Um, and then, okay, with these next five, here's the six or seven guys we like for those next five spots. And then we just have the conversation with the teams. And, and really the goal is to bring all the players they want to see. And again, we, we try to get it right. I'm sure, you know, we miss guys every year, um, but we, we do the best we can. That's kind of our, kind of our process. So by the time you get to November, the, the board is, is basically set. And at that point, is is you're then talking to the NFL teams to see if it kind of matches what their board is, and then kind of the uh, the moving pieces of the next five or six guys whether they make it in or not. Is that is that kind of what I heard you say? Yeah, we'll send out that first wave of invites at every position based off the guys we really feel solid about in the league, and then if there's you know we we also like letting the calendar play out. Uh, you know, coach. I mean, guys get better in November. I mean, oh, yeah. especially especially nowadays with so many so much coaching movement and so much player movement that sometimes these guys whether they're transfers or they get a new coaching staff that came in for their senior year uh which happened at Virginia after you left yeah. i mean that's a good example some of those guys they don't really they don't really know what they're doing <laughs> until right. november so you see it start to click and then play faster uh once they're understanding the scheme and 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 you know kind of their role so we do. We like to leave it open till, and then we'll do a second wave of invites at the beginning of December, and allowing those guys to to really get through a season and improve themselves. So for our listeners, an invite from the Senior Bowl is is a giant thing. So for the way that that I did it at Virginia and BYU, when a senior invite came, and usually it was sent to the the player. A lot of times the coach received one as well, the head coach, and so. If if it came to the football office in the day there was true mail, right, which there still is. Um, I would actually have those in front of the team and, and the team itself, they, they knew the status of the senior bowl. They knew that that meant likely 
And I don't know the percentages, which I'd love to hear from you in a second, Jim, like guys that play in your game, what's the likelihood that they at least get an opportunity? But the team, right, their perception was if someone's getting a senior bowl invite, it's likely they're going to have a great opportunity to go on and play. And so usually the team was on their feet and hugs and, and it was really kind of a special moment. And I did that actually when the invites came rather than wait till the end of the year. Uh, and a lot of times I think it provided hope um, to the rest of the team. It provided momentum to the player that was receiving one. And it was just a kind of a special moment to be acknowledged. And so uh, this year, even though I wasn't at Virginia, uh, one of the players there, um, a corner, Anthony Johnson, uh, took a picture of his letter and sent it to me and just, oh. you know, thanking, thanking me and, and his staff and just, Right. It's a big moment for these guys. So uh, I guess I'd love to know. So once an invite happens or if they if they play in the game, do you track the statistics of, of how it works um, from there and what the likelihood is or or what data you have? Yeah, absolutely, coach. And, and we do. We always send them to the head coach. And that was kind of the protocol that was set forth way before I got here. You know, Phil Savage, the former Browns GM, ran this game for a long time and did an awesome job. And that's just so we send them to the head coach. And, and like you said, I want to leave it up to them. Um, yeah. I, I love it when coaches of our, of our, your mindset, um, yeah. and they like to give those things out right away. Cause then it kind of helps us build our roster, but there are coaches, Nick Saban's one of them that, uh, historically is like to hold, hold those things until after for him yeah. until after the sec championship game, usually every year. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's their choice. That's why we do it that way. We're, we're not about sending it right to the, to the player. That's. We, we respect what you all are trying to get done in your buildings too much and trying to win games that if the head coach feels like it's a distraction, um, you know, we want to respect that. So, so yeah, in terms of tracking the stuff, obviously it's a, it's a big part of what we do. You have to self scout every year, just like I'm sure you did with your recruiting classes. And once you get a cycle through and where your hits were and where your misses were. And so each of the last two years, we've hit record numbers. We've had 106 players drafted out of the game each of the last two years. Um, two years ago, that was 41% of the entire draft class. Last year was 40% of the entire draft class. Um, you know, that's out of like one, that's out of about 125 is what right. we usually end up with here in Mobile. And, uh, you know, all of our guys got into a camp the last couple of years. I mean, there wasn't anyone that didn't wear a helmet in August. And, uh, you know, the more, the most meaningful step for us that, that we probably take the most pride in is, uh, over the last four drafts since since we got here over the last four drafts 87 percent of the guys that came to mobile made it made a 53 man roster at some point their rookie year so that maybe not right out of the shoots on opening day maybe it took a practice squad spot or you know maybe they went on a practice squad and got poached by another team but by the end of that rookie year 87 percent of our guys um played in and were on an nfl 53 man roster by the end of their, their first year for, for our listeners, 53, a 53 and three man roster is really hard to make. And, and so 87% is a, a real tribute going back to your process. So the scouting and, and I think the people that you have scouting, right? So it wouldn't only be the process, but it'll have to be the people within the process being accurate also. And so that's pretty astounding. So how did you get in the role? So why from why from scouting to running the senior bowl how how and why did that whole journey happen <laughs> yeah it's uh long story short it was a family decision so uh mobile is my wife's town hometown uh oh. we moved here we were i was working for the patriots back in 07 we were living in cleveland we had our first child um and i was on the road you know you're on the road 
close to 200 nights a year. It is a, um, it is a tough, tough, uh, lifestyle on a family as most jobs in, in football are right. I mean, coaching's hard on a family personnel's hard on a family. Um, so, you know, we, after that first year with our, our son was about a year old, we decided to move back down here so we could get closer to my wife's family. So she could have a little help while I was on the road. And then when this job came open in the summer of 18, uh, I was working for the Seahawks and uh, John Schneider, our GM, I just called him. I said, John, you know, this job just came open. You know, I really think I need to go for it. He's like, you're dang right. You need to go for it. So uh, at that point, my son was in eighth grade. He was just getting into high school. Uh, he's a senior right now. So I haven't missed a basketball game. I haven't missed a football game. I made a ton of football practices. Um, I've just been in, in my daughter's is, is in eighth grade right now. She was in fourth grade at the time. So um, I haven't missed dance recitals. I haven't missed basketball games for her. So it was truly a family thing. And, and you know, just back to the to the skill set, you know, I, I was I was getting in a little bit of a rut um, just yep. being on the road, you know, going school to school, scouting players, filing reports. This job is has uh, allowed me to expand my skill set a little bit, you know, with all the, the media stuff and, you know, just managing people, managing a budget, um, just everything that this job entails. It's It's been a really good growth opportunity, but it really was more about the family and just being around for, for my wife and kids for as long as I can be because um, the life on the road is hard. The the, uh, the combination of football and family, right, truly being present is really challenging. And whether it's being a head coach, assistant coach, I don't know the world of a GM as well, but I know scouting just from listening to you. And it, it's, a, it's a real challenge. And, and for for families and people that want as much of all of every all of those values they can have, there's choices that come with that that sometimes um, are, are difficult. But it sounds like you've hit that just just right on. If if you were to say um, so, the guys come to your game. Um, how much do you think? I've always wondered uh, from a head coaching perspective, the week itself that they're they're in the Senior Bowl. How much perception changes regarding a player? You know, from all the work that's done with the scouting through the season and then they go to the senior bowl for that week. Um, uh, how much identity slash perception slash evaluation rankings do you think change? Um, I don't even know how you could, how you could quantify it, but what, what do you see in that regard? Yeah, it's a great question. Obviously I'm, I'm in a little bit of a biased chair right now, yeah. but uh, even going back to all my, I mean, I've been coming to this game since 1998. So um, I always valued, uh, this game more than any other part of the process. I mean, just going back and looking at the teams that I worked for, I feel like the majority of our mistakes were made when we overvalued what happens in shorts and t-shirts. Um, yeah. Like I tell our players, this is, this is your last chance at real football. So I think obviously the small school players can probably benefit the most because there is that, you know, that unknown, that, that the level of competition jump. Um, and you might really like that FCS tape, but you're maybe only seeing him play up against an FBS opponent once or maybe twice. Uh, you know, like I think a great example is, is like Trevor Penning last year from Northern yes. Iowa. You know, yeah. he was Sir Cole Strange from Tennessee Chattanooga. So Cole's a perfect example. Trevor was already a pretty highly rated guy, but Cole Strange, um, you know, when we brought him down here again, the only reason I know this coach is because of those calls with the league. Yeah. There wasn't a team that had Cole as the day two player. I mean, he was, general consensus Cole was a fifth round pick and they played up against Kentucky that year and Cole just 
kick the mess out of that that Kentucky front. And they had two or three NFL guys on that on that defensive line. Well, he comes down here and puts in a full week of work. He plays center for the first time in his life, which he'd never done at Tennessee wow. Chat. Wow. You know, so he does that. And now, you know, fast forward, he goes 29 overall. So that's a massive jump. I mean, you're talking millions and millions of dollars going from fifth round, um, let's say even generously fourth round to the end of the first round. You know, for the bigger school guys, they can still make big jumps. I think it uh, it depends on, I think a lot of the value of the Senior Bowl is seeing these guys used maybe differently than they yes. were in college. Um, let's just say because of all the coaching movement, like we talked about it, a player's recruited to a school to do one thing, then a new coach gets brought in um, and he needs to do something different. I think there's a, a player in this year's game, Dylan Horton from TCU, which is a, a great example. TCU was, a, was an even front team for Dylan's first three years. Then they bring in Sonny Dykes this year. They move to an odd front. So he goes from, you know, they put 20 pounds on him. He goes from 255 to 275. He's playing a four-eye technique, head up on a tackle. Um, and it really wasn't the best best suited for, for Dylan's skill set. But you know what? He was a great teammate. He was a team player. He accepted it. He put on the weight. Now he gets to come to the Senior Bowl. He already got back down to 265 um, from the National Championship game to Mobile. He's back out in an even front, you know, playing more of an edge position. Um, and be able to show his best. Um, so it's th those guys, you know, so that that can really help. You know, you get guys that are, are used to in certain coverages in college that they come down here. If they're just a zone guy in college, now they play some man. So, it, again, it can really help. And at minimum, I think all these guys benefit from the exposure to the 32 teams and the decision makers that are down here because it's one thing for a former scout like me to be in a draft room pounding the table for a guy. It's another thing when a GM and an assistant GM or head coach is down here. Um, like I was watching Inside Run Drill down here a couple weeks ago with, with Mike Tomlin. And it's one thing for a scout to say it. It's another thing for Mike Tomlin to see it with his own eyes. Um, and so, so again, I, guys can make big jumps. You know, for the bigger school guys, maybe a round, maybe two rounds. For the, for the small school guys, sometimes four or five rounds. What a great process. Early on in my career as the head coach at BYU, I had a policy that I wouldn't offer a scholarship to, to a player that did not come to our camp. And and so to your point, right, as the head coach and uh, BYU was such a draw, especially for faith-based young men, that they they wanted to come and prove themselves. And, and man, it mitigated our risk. I could see in person um, for two or three days. It wasn't a week, but man, two or three days was was enough time for me to be right. And that benefited both of us, the player and the coach. If you were to say in the landscape today, um, because players are opting out of their regular seasons or the regular team's bowl games, has that affected the senior bowl? Are there percentage now, or is that percentage increased of, I don't know, whatever tier of player that are saying, you know, I'm not going to risk going to the senior bowl, or is that held pretty strong where if you get an invite, they're going to come? Yeah, it's held pretty strong. We had probably three guys just declined the invite this year. Um, what hurts us, Coach, is uh, when guys like Daniel Jeremiah put out their uh, mock first-round drafts, we we lost three players this year. Um, there was Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, DJ projected to go number five overall. Uh, a corner, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, go six overall. So magically, we got calls from agents right after that saying the guys aren't coming to Mobile. Uh, <laughs> But no, we, you know, with the college bowl thing, I, I think, uh, you know, what I would tell fans, because I know fans get frustrated by it. And 
you know, I always try to look at things through the lens of like, if it were my brother or if it were my son, you know, what, what would I want? And to me, the difference between a college bowl game, and I, I get it from a coach's perspective, you want to win. It's important to win those bowl games for momentum into the next year. I do get that. Um, for the, for the player, for, for the player, um, it is an opportunity to go out with his with his teammates for the last time, and I would never ever try to talk to a player that wanted to go play in his team's bowl game to, to not do that. I would never do that. Never have that conversation. Um, but I also see the side as I've, I've played fifty four college games for the University of Michigan or USC or Notre Dame, what have you, um, and now I've got an opportunity. I've locked into a position where I can be in front of. 32 NFL teams, key decision makers, guys that are going to be taking the tag off the board in April and really show myself in front of them. Um, so it's, yeah. you know, I, I see where fans think it might be a little bit selfish, but it's it's really probably the smartest business decision, if we're being honest, for these guys, because we have, we have had players um, opt to play in the bowl game and then get hurt and miss the senior bowl and really miss the rest of the draft process. And that, that, that hurts those guys. There's a lot of money um, for those guys. So it's a, it's a sensitive subject and I get, I totally get both sides, but um, again, I think there's something to be gained for these guys to be down here around these NFL guys that frankly, the GMs and the assistant GMs, like they're not getting out to a lot of schools in the fall. Like coach, you saw a lot of scouts and college directors and that level of guy go through the, through your, through your building uh, but not a lot, a lot of those top, the head coaches, the GM. So this is their one opportunity to see those guys practice and what their practice habits are like and how competitive they are and, and being right up in the drills, just like you were when you had those guys on campus for the visits. I, I, I remember all that. And, and the picture is, is, has to be comprehensive. And so from your seat, from the head coach's seat, from everyone's seat that has an interest in the players, right? And this isn't versus, this is everyone that has an interest in these young men. It's becoming... Right. These are business decisions and there are loyalties and there's team, but there's a, a lot of different parts to it. And, and it's it's relatively complicated um, as you move forward, especially with the different voices and third parties and influence. Um, and uh, I see that increasingly. And that's probably the most frustrating uh, part. Tell me tell me now, uh, Jim, how how are the coaching staff selected? Is that process so for the game itself? Um, how are the coaches selected for that game? And, and what's that process like now? Yeah, we, we had a little bit of a curveball thrown at us this year. For 73 years, we had uh, full NFL staffs down here. So if you go way back in time, it used to be the loser of the conference championship game that's not going on at the Super Bowl would come to Mobile immediately and coach the game. Um, they changed that up probably about 30 years ago, and they really made it more an incentive for the draft order. Um, really is a mechanism for parity in the league. I mean, that's why the NFL is a great league is that, you know, everyone feels like their team has a shot. I grew up a Detroit Lions fan. They've won one playoff game since 1957. But when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s growing up, I thought my Lions were going to the playoffs every year. So uh, kind of a built-in mechanism for parity. Uh, but this year, this summer, we got thrown a curveball. They, um, we got a collection of assistant coaches from non-playoff teams. Uh, which, you know, in hindsight, I was a little I was a little irked at the time over the summer when I got that call. Uh, but now actually going through it, I thought it was great for our players that they were exposed to 16 teams um, here behind the scenes and all those teams get really intimate knowledge of our guys. 
rather than just two teams. Now, so next year we'll get the full coaching staffs back. It's going to be on a rotation basis uh, moving forward with another all-star game. But but mo- both models work. Um, you know, these players are getting coached by NFL coaches. And uh, just for them to make those relationships really early in the draft process, before they go to the combine, before pro days, um, it, it's all beneficial for the guys. So that that's kind of how that works. Could you could you take us quickly into like the day of a life? So the players come to the Senior Bowl and they're practicing and they're competing in practice. And there's I'm, I'm sure meetings for install and and film review. What what other things are happening during the day for those kids when they're when they're there for the week? Yeah, there's a lot packed into a coach. Um, the week is kind of set up to be a, a little bit of a stressful week by design because the NFL is a hard league, um, and I think this is a good barometer of how these guys can handle it. Um, so they do. They get here on Sunday. They go through a full registration process with physicals, and you know now with we have we have a trading card company. Panini's the official trading card company of the NFL. So now they get their first football card when they come here. So there's a lot of that stuff. You know they get weighed and measured. We don't do a full weigh-in anymore. We did away with that a couple of years ago. They get that done behind the scenes. So there's a lot. You know some psychological testing that they'll have to take at, at the combine anyway. We we get that off their plate here in Mobile. Uh, then they'll meet their coaches on Monday. They'll go into meetings, um, lots of interview time with the 32 teams built into the week. Really, almost every day they'll have interview time with the teams. They'll be meeting every day, obviously practice. Um, so there's there's a lot bunched in there. We do a financial education program with with Morgan Stanley, our our longtime financial partner, to kind of get these guys ready um, from that perspective. And then on Friday, we do a big community service day. We get them out in the community doing, you know, at schools and children's hospitals. And and that's really a fun day. Um, then we do a Mardi Gras parade for them on Friday night. This is the home of Mardi Gras. We actually overlap with the real Mardi Gras now that we've, we've kind of pushed back into February. And then, and then game day, Saturday's game day. So uh, it's, a, it's kind of a pressure-packed week, but the guys that really respond well to it, I think it, it, it signals to the teams that they're ready to be professionals. The, um, from the, the experiences of my players that have played in the game, the, the interviews are, are the stories they bring back. The practices, certainly. The game, certainly. But they come back and they race to my office usually and said, man, you can't believe the questions the, Bra- the Bears asked me. And the Browns, <laughs> they asked me this. And, and when I was at BYU as the coach, um, because profanity and language is a big, a big part of that culture there of having clean, wet language. And, and so, I mean, one of the coaches just was wanted to see a response to a swear word for a BYU player. <laughs> My player was laughing. He took it in, in good faith, you know, but um, every year the, the interview questions and the teams, it seems to be the favorite thing the guys want to come back and talk about to me. And, and you're right. They, they, they're stressed by it and they know they're being evaluated and, but there, it. Uh, I think by design, it does help them prepare. Um, so, how closely do you work with the combine, or do you work with the combine? Uh, are they watching, or how does the, how does the, how do those process processes interplay, if at all? Um, we're we're really independent, and Jeff Foster, who runs the the NFL Combine, does such a good it's the National Football uh, Scouting Combine. Jeff's, Jeff's been the head of NFS for a long time, um, was in scouting like me, and he, he jumped to the combine side about 20 years ago, I want to say. So we're, we're good buddies. He's great at what he does. Um, we don't compare a lot of notes. He has his staff. You know, they send him out, their guys out early in the spring, and they, they wrap around in the fall, and they do a voting process, you know. And uh, we're touching base on a lot of things, but not really like selection process. We, I kind of let – I mean, 
I don't interfere with this process. That's not my place. And uh, but I will be heading up there in a couple of weeks. Jeff, Jeff's nice enough to to get us credentials, and we'll go up and because I don't have a lot of time to meet with teams during the week. This is kind of a three week circus, and I'm I'm I think we had over 40 college head coaches um, down this year this year, and I'm I'm trying to get with them and all the NFL guys. So I don't get a lot of time. I've had best friends come down the last couple of weeks, and I didn't even see them. Um, so. I like to go up to Indy and reconnect with those guys and see what we can do better and how the week went for them. Um, but the combine does an awesome job on their own. We don't, we don't have a lot. Of, we have a great relationship, but we don't really get into each other's processes. It almost, it almost validates uh, um, the selection process draft day even more when, when those two processes are independent uh, because really you have two sets of professionals working so hard to do the best in their own entities. And when there is crossover, those are two points of data rather than one. Um, and, and really not cross-pollinated. So uh, I think it kind of stands even maybe as a, a stronger uh, manifest as to what the guys can do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We had 124 guys from this year's game get combine invites. I want to say there was only four or five that did not. And I actually called Jeff on behalf of a couple of them, and they, they had just cut off their, their invite process the day before, so I, I just missed it for those guys. But um, – but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's good validation. Jeff said they have they have an average of 35 guys every year that that don't get combine invites that get um, that get end up getting drafted. So um, I try to tell the guys that didn't get invites this year from our game. I've reached out to all those guys and let them know. Like I know y'all wanted a combine invite. It's a big deal. It's validation to them that they've kind of made it. Um, I think all these guys have that as a goal when they set out as college players to to make it to the combine. But it's not the end of the world. Just like not get the senior bowl invites not the end of the world we've got a lot of players that we miss on isaiah pacheco from the super bowl we didn't invite uh last year from rutgers and and now that's a huge swing and a miss on my part so uh you know the they again it, it's it's I'm, I'm with you i think having two independent kind of processes works well for the players when when you consider uh, maybe the intangible so if you put your scouting hat and your player personnel or your gm hat on and, and you're considering Oh man, any intangibles besides the physical skills and the physical parameters by position, right? All of those are, are separate and distinct. If you if you then were to say, if there are intangibles that you notice that, man, if someone has that, it enhances their chances. I would say work ethic and passion for football. Um, I think Jalen Jalen Hurts is a great example. Uh, before, before we brought Jalen to the game, again, on those league calls, Nobody had Jalen as even a day two player. He was fourth, fifth round for everybody. Um, I kind of compared him to Dak Prescott when he was here. And, and again, he went 51 overall to Philly in the second round. And now in hindsight, he was way underdrafted. The guy, if we redrafted three years ago, he'd be a top two or three pick. So, But I think that's a testament to Jalen's work ethic and how much he loves football. And that's hard. I mean, a lot of fans don't understand that. And you know this, Coach. Like, Not all oh, these guys love it. Um, some of them do it because they've always done it and they're pretty good yeah. at it. Um, but to, to really break through at the next level and reach your ceiling, like, you got to love it. And, and um, I think this week down here shows the teams like the practice habits and, you know, guys that see it through the end of the week and play in the game. We had a number of guys pull out of the game this year. Um, you know, agents <laughs> pulled them out after a couple good days of practice. Um, and I've already talked to some teams over the last week and they're taking notes on which guys, you know, saw it through and wanted to play and compete in the game and which guys let themselves be pulled out by their agents. So um, those are two things that, that are really paramount. 
And, and that's the reason why we build our staff the way we do. You know, there's a lot of people reach out and say, Jim, I'd love to scout for the Senior Bowl. And one of the reasons we have just former NFL scouts is, again, because we don't have a budget for them to be in a school physically every single day. They at least have connections. They can get they can get your assistant coaches on the phone and they can ask those questions. Again, it won't be as great as an NFL team. We don't have those resources. But, you know, when they see him pregame on the field, they have that relationship. Um, they can set up calls in advance. You know, your, your assistant coaches are taking our guys' calls because they're our relationship. So we do the best we can to factor in the intangible part because, again, if you're talking fifth, sixth, seventh-round picks, that's what separates it. You know, if you're going to – if there's two names on the board, if there's two tags side-by-side, side, that's the separator is the intangible stuff. You know, when, when you get way up in the draft, sometimes you're just trying to nail the talent part. Um, I don't really believe in that, but that's kind of what happens sometimes. So the intangibles part is huge. And again, that's the value of us having, having guys that have, have been in the league and have those connections. Make, makes complete sense. And in the college world, those intangibles were the separator so many times, um, especially based on what culture you have. And, and if, it's a, if it's a team that's in the world's vernacular of three stars, but those intangibles are strong, you don't want to play that team. That team has enough talent with a mindset that's that's fierce. And if the schemes and tactics are great, there's there's a lot you can do. And it's so much more fun when the kids that you're coaching really, really love the game. They love the competition. There's there's a different element to coaching or being around young people that are like that. It's really fun. I, I, I bet. Like it's gotta be much easier to go to work every day about a bunch of guys that really want to be there. T t totally. And so what, what do you see in the, in the landscape from, from your, I don't know, from your perspective, and it's a very unique seat. There's only, well, the senior bowl has one seat like yours. And if you look at college football in particular and see with the NIL and with the portal and all those challenges, do you see that affecting, I don't know, maybe how do you see that affecting the game, the young people, or, or how do you project or what, what do you see happening from your seat? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think I think it's had a positive effect so far in that we've seen the number of junior early out juniors decrease over the last couple of years, because I'm sure you, you, you could count. I mean, you could right off the top of your head, you could think of a lot of your players that probably made a decision to leave for the NFL early um, out of out of need and probably wasn't the best decision for them. Uh, but because of some sort of family hardship or, or situation, they felt compelled to, hey, I got to I got to go try to make money and, and remedy this thing for my family. Um, I think NIL, even if it's that, even if it's 10 or 15 thousand dollars, that can that can mean the difference of a guy. You know what? I can take care of my family for this one more year, um, you know, get another year of experience at the college level, be more ready to become a pro. And that's great for those guys. So I think those numbers we were. We were flirting in like the 130s on, ju on junior early out guys, 130, 140. And now we've seen that number come back down under 100 over the last couple of years, like in the 80-ish range. So I think that's been that's been it's certainly been a good thing. Um, and when it, when it comes to our game, I think the agent community and the players know that there is money associated with coming to the Senior Bowl. These guys can make, you know, millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands, what, whatever it might be. But that's if they come down and perform. It's on the back end, right? It's yeah. not a front end payment. But if they come down here and interview well and compete their butts off on the practice field, nobody should hurt themselves by coming to an all-star game. And that's that's how I was raised up. That was one of the axioms that the older scouts, that 
generation before me, the general managers I came up under was like, guys can't hurt themselves by coming to all-star games. If they come down and they, and they work hard and, and compete, you're never going to, it's never going to be a negative mark against those guys. Even if they don't have a, a quote unquote, a great week, if they, if they come, cause it's showing, a, it's a showing some passion for football. You know, they're yeah. putting themselves out there. They're showing they they're committed to it. They want to compete. So, um, you know, so far that the NIL payment stuff hasn't affected us, but, but we got to be mindful, you know, we're, we're trying to be mindful of what the, you know the next upcoming years might look like, but so far it's it's probably been a net positive for us. The the um, I, I see a lot of similarities the way you do. The biggest challenge that I see for the college football landscape is is the the recruiting process and the payment through third parties and all the things that happen prior to a player arriving at an institution. Um, and so the enforcement of that is difficult. The the staffing to even consider how to keep that under control. Uh, but to your point, man, once someone works really hard and has earned an opportunity and the back end payments are being added because of the value demonstrated, there's a lot of values there that I think most listeners and most people would, would espouse saying, yeah, being rewarded for putting yourself out there and trying harder and, and doing extra. I think that's what a lot of people, they, it endears them to maybe a certain player, a team or a culture. Yeah, there's, there's no question. I think I, I tell the guys at orientation every year, like you've made a statement just by coming here. You know, I'm sure there's, again, you talk about third parties. There's a lot of people in these kids' ears. I mean, this was the first year I was engaged with a kid's seven-on-seven coach to like try to get to his high school seven-on-seven coach. I'd, I'd never had that before. Um, you know, obviously agents play a big part in what we do. Now the training part of it, you know, now there's the, the trainer element of these guys that try to get these, you know, get them ready for the combine and a lot. And those guys do a great job, but there's just more. And there's always family members, right? I mean, there's always, there's always people in their ear from the family. And, and again, there's so much bad information out there and I don't blame the families. If you're, if you're in the spring or summer before your, you know, your son or, or nephew or so your grandson's senior year, and you're seeing them in a bunch of mock first round drafts, I mean, yeah. I would probably latch on to that, not knowing, but but knowing who some of these guys are that put the mock drafts out, like they're not former. These guys have never been paid for their opinions before. They've never, you know, outside of Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. I mean, those guys come to mind that I scouted with on the road for a lot of years and are, are good friends. I mean, those guys have, have been paid professionals at what they do. But um, and, and as you know, coach, I, a lot of these people just tell these players what they want to hear and not what they really need to hear. And that's what I, I tell our guys, like, I will never BS you. I mean, yeah. if, if you if you have a question for me, I want to steer you in the right direction. I'll never BS you um, because I think that's a problem. I just think it's a problem across college football is nobody's shooting these players straight. Um, it, it is. And it's, and it's really tough. What you just said, one of the biggest challenges to me is building trusted sources of influence for these kids, right? The, the, the people that really know, and will be completely honest with them, so there's accurate information for decision making, and right, not not the self interested versions, but who really knows. And so many times, when a family member or other will ask me my opinion, I'll say, "How honest do you want me to be?" Um, and and that opens the door because then if they say completely, it gives me a chance to say, um, "Your son will not be drafted." Right. These are the deficiencies. These are the things that have to be worked on. And no matter what else anyone's telling you, they're not accurate. Right. And so 
sometimes I have a relationship strong enough, usually almost always with the player, sometimes with the family where I'm able to help influence. Man, if they end up with someone that's, that's leading the senior bowl that they could have access to or others, right, that really know that can be trusted, man, is that helpful. And where so many of the kids are missing that part right now. Yeah, and, and I've tried to do more of that the last few years, Coach. I've, I've, I've went out, I've spoken to teams during the spring or yeah. during August um, just about the draft process. I don't yes. work for a t- I, I don't work for a team anymore, but I spent 20 years in the league, and I'm just trying to be an unbiased voice. And what happened a lot this year, because that this extra COVID year has been a little bit tricky to, uh, yeah. Yeah, to get yeah. around here, because it, it gets into a situation we we really value our relationships with coaches. Um, and I get word from whether it's a head coach or assistant coaches like, Jim, we're trying to keep this guy in. Yeah. I never want our invite to serve as a reason for a kid to leave. Um, so, you know, that's been a little a little touchy. Um, and I actually had a lot of coaches this year hit me up and say, Jim, will you talk to this player and, yes. and you know, give him some guidance? I said, well, coach, I'm not going to lie either. If I yeah. think it's in his best interest to come out, if he's going to be your second or third round pick, because I think if you're a day two pick or higher for, for a lot of these guys, it makes sense. Um, and, and then the other thing too, coach, some guys are what they are, you know, like they're just kind of tapped out physically and they're a really good college player, but they have a ceiling as an NFL player. Does it really behoove them to go back for another year in college? Some guys, it, it really doesn't. So um, a lot of coaches were like, Jim, we don't care what you tell them. Just we want them to have honest feedback. Um, and, and again, Hey, we're not. I, I don't want to take players from college football. I mean, I if it's in their best interest to stay, I want to help them stay. Um, and again, you know, sometimes they they really trust their coach. Sometimes you know their situation where it's a new coach that came in for their senior year, and maybe that trust factor hasn't been built. So I've just tried to lend my voice where I can um, and help the coaches out the best way and help these players out. So which is. That, that was that was the exact motive as Brian and I were talking about this time of year. But more importantly, the process, I, I thought it would just be really helpful for our listeners and others to to hear you. And we'll have we're hopeful to have um, uh, combine leadership on as well. Right. And and so that folks really know how the process works, because the perceptions most of the time are not accurate. And there's second and third information that just. Um, and so either from the coaching perspective and the senior bowl perspective, the combine perspective, there's hopefully this will be an educational place that um, maybe folks will understand the process at a higher level. And hopefully that leads it into the best decision making possible. doesn't guarantee it for sure um, because there's so many influences, but, but hopefully it can influence. No, there, there's, it's, it's all about the players. You want what's best for them. It's, I mean, whether it's staying in college for another year or two or, or coming out, it's just you want to educate them the best as possible. And like you, so much misinformation out there. And because of where we're at, and I talked about those grade sharing um, calls with yes. the 32 teams, and usually like it's usually 16, 17, 18 teams. We don't, they take like an hour and a half per team. So it's, it's an exhaustive call process. Sure. Um, but because of the relationships in the league, they, these teams know I will never betray their trust. And some of them are open to us. say, Jim, we've got two thirds and a sixth on that guy. We're kind of split. Or we've got two seconds and two fourths. We're, you know, we got to split there. Or you know what? We've got five grades and they're all in the second round. We kind of feel like we got this guy nailed. So they know I'll never be, I'll never share that with another club. 
but I can take that to the players. And I would, again, would never say the team, but I'll say like, hey, we've, we've, we've spoken to half the league. And right now, nobody out of 18 teams has a day two grade on you. So yes. that's just that's just being real. You can take that for what you can. You can listen to the mock draft world or you can listen <laughs> to legit feedback from 32 clubs. So I feel like we are in a unique, you know, a unique position here where we have the trust of the 32 teams and we also can relay that to the players. So um, hopefully there's some coaches listen to this. I want to be a resource for all of them. And uh, and again, I think that I think a lot of them have tapped into it over the last couple of years. And I hope it continues because uh Again, it all goes back to the players and doing what's best by them. Well, that, that's the hope is it's just in this time that I've chosen to, to pause. Um, head, head coaches, there's a lot going on. And if there's a source like this where they can come and have questions answered about, man, the senior bowl specifically, that um, it's helped certainly helped me today. So I really, really appreciate your time. I know our listeners will just be really excited, but I know the head coaching world um, – this will be a valuable segment for them as well. So just thanks for, for sharing all the insights and your time with us. Yeah, Coach Brian, thank you for having me on. I really I really appreciate it. It's good, uh, good talking some nuts and bullets football. I don't, I don't always get this opportunity. With, with one-on-ones on the screen behind you, that's like the perfect backdrop. If I had a virtual backdrop, I, I'd, I'd make it that one. That's like the perfect <laughs> backdrop. <laughs> well, if you, if you need access to the tape, I'll send you a login. You can check it out. <laughs> He, he already watches plenty enough tape, Jim, but uh, we, we appreciate the time. And I, I still don't know how you, you haven't gained like 20 or 30 pounds in your role, given the amount of Reese's that are around the game, uh, especially during game week that you guys give out. But uh, we appreciate the time and uh, best of luck going into next year's edition and uh, with all the draftees that uh, participated in the 2023 Senior Bowl. Thank you, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim.